Growing in God's Word and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is what is known as the Great Commission. It's not the great idea. It's not the great suggestion. It's the Great Commission. The message of Jesus. It's the greatest news anyone could ever hear. In fact, the word gospel means good news. But here's a question to think about. Is it really good news if a person never hears it? We go because we care. Do you care? I'm Rick Freeman. Welcome to Crosswalk. If you're a regular to our program, you know that we're in a series entitled Daniel, Unshakable Faith, Unbreakable Promise. We've been having a great time walking through the book of Daniel, but this week we're taking a break from the series. Pastor Clay and a team from Cross Culture Church just returned from mission work in Haiti. So Pastor Clay is taking this opportunity to remind us exactly why we go. At Cross Culture Church, one of our favorite sayings is, life is a mission trip. Well, today, Pastor Clay is going to lay out why we go and where we go. Thanks for being with us. Here's Pastor Clay. Why do we go? Why do we do what we do? It is not my intention to throw anybody here under the bus but it absolutely is my intention to get everybody here on the bus. Three reasons why we go. Here's the first one. We go because we are commanded. Matthew chapter 28, if you have a Bible, you can turn there. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. It is what is referred to uh, in church circles as the Great Commission. Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. You glad you're here? All right, I'm very glad you're here. You've honored the Lord with your presence. Go, therefore, go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. As I said a second ago, this is what is known as the Great Commission. It's not the great idea. It's not the great suggestion, it's the great commission. To be commissioned to do something is to be commanded to do something. The verbs that show up here in, uh, in verse 19, the first verb that shows up there is go. In the, in the Greek language in which the New Testament was uh, originally written, it would really literally be translated having gone. In other words, um, since you're out there anyway, since you're going about your world, you might could say as going. Since you're going to be out there anyway is basically what Jesus is saying. Hey, and listen, these are the last words that Matthew records that Jesus says before he goes back to heaven. This is the last thing he leaves us with. Go. As you're going, in other words, as you're going to school, as you're going into the workplace, as you're going uh, to your neighbor's yard, as you're going to your child's recital, as you're going to their soccer match, as you're going, as you're going, this commission, which we'll get to in a second, it's, it's just, you, you just are doing it. What is it that we are to do? That's the next verb. Make, specifically in this kind of, make disciples. Go, since you're going out there anyway, you're going into the world, you're going to interact with people, you're going, make disciples. It is in the Greek an imperative verb. 
An imperative means it's not optional. That, that's basically what it means. It's, it's like um, when I was growing up, when I was a teenager, if, if my best friend said, man, you got to get your hair cut. That's a suggestion. But if I got home that night and sat down to dinner and, and my dad said, you got to get your hair cut. That's not a suggestion. That's a command. That's what this is. It's an imperative. It's not, it's not up for discussion. It's not up for debate. It's only up for doing. Go. Make disciples. It's what we're commanded to do. And so it is what we do. But now somebody might say, oh, geez, okay, I know that's part of what the church is supposed to be doing, but, but listen, I, it's just really not my, my cup of tea, or I'm just not really that good at that kind of stuff, or there are other people that are certainly better at that kind of stuff. Why can't I just, I'll just stay here. Why can't I just stay here? I'll, I'll love Jesus. Uh, I'll go to church. I'll even serve in the church. I mean, I'll do all that kind of stuff, but uh, there are other people that can, that can go and, and then do that kind of stuff. Why do I have to obey that command? Very simply, here it is, First uh, Samuel chapter uh, 15. But Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. In the context of 1 Samuel, the, the people of Israel were, they were doing their thing. They were, so to speak, they were going to church. They were showing up for church. They were regular tenders. They, they were uh, going through the motions. They were offering up the sacrifices that, that they thought that they were supposed to offer up. But when they walked out of the church doors, so to speak, when they walked out and walked into their regular lives, they were disobedient to God in certain areas of their lives. And one of the areas, particularly, that they were disobedient to God in was in the area of being a light to the Gentiles, what they were commanded to do. God has always said, listen, I'm, I'm choosing you, Israel, because I have a special purpose and plan for you. And part of that plan is to be a light to the Gentiles, to take the message, uh, my message of love and redemption, to take it to the world. And they weren't doing it. As a matter of fact, they'd become rather haughty about it. They'd become kind of, well, you know, we're the chosen people. And God, through the prophet Samuel, says, hey, hey, you know all that stuff you're doing? You know, showing up for church on time? You know, that, that service you're doing in the church, you know, you know that offerings that you've been bringing, them, them burnt offering, them sacrifice, and all that stuff? I don't want any of it. I don't want it. What I want is your obedience. That's what I want in your life. And anything less than that is out of my will. We are commanded to go. Look at this uh, passage in um, uh, Ezekiel. Yeah, chapter 12, verse 13. One of, one of my life... Verses. The conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments. This applies to every person. One translation says this is the whole duty of man. This is it. Fear God. In other words, that idea of, of awe and reverence for God and who he is and what he has done and what he wants for my life. Hold him in awe and reverence and keep his commands. By the way, though, obviously you can't even separate those two because if I, if I am Fear the Lord in that sense. If I'm in awe of him and reverence him and I understand who he is, I will keep his commands, won't I? So if I'm struggling with keeping God's command in whatever area it is, if there's a command and I'm, I'm struggling, I'm not being obedient in or something, I might better check on where am I really in my relationship with God and am I really holding him, this idea of him and, and who he is. We are commanded. We are commanded and we can't get out of that. Look at this one, uh, New Testament, uh, James chapter 1. 
I love James. He's always just so to the point. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. Oh, yeah, I'm a good Christian. Going to church. Put some money in there every once in a while. Serving some ministry. I'm a greeter. I'm a C2 kid. I'm whatever. Yeah. And God says, you're just fooling yourself if you're not obedient to me in my commands. And we are commanded to go. As I said, it's not an option. Okay, we go because we are commanded. And we go because we care. We go because we care. Look at uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 1. This Apostle Paul wrote this letter. He says, Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is for their salvation. I know we're just we're pulling out one verse there, but even that one verse, can you can you grab a sense of the of, of the care and the compassion that Paul has for the lost? As a matter of fact, one chapter back in chapter nine and verse three, Paul goes so far as to say, to just give you an idea of how, how much he cared about the lost, Paul goes so far as to say, he says, Listen, I know it's not possible, but if it were possible, I'd be willing to be lost. I'd be willing to be a castaway, thrown out from Christ if it would mean that my brethren would come to Christ, the the Jews. I'd be willing to be lost. That's care. We go because we care. Do you care? Do I care? And listen, it's a question that I really want us to think about here this morning, to give some some serious thought to this idea. Do, Do I care? It's one thing to say, do we care? That's, that's nice and everything. But to, but to change the pronoun and to say, listen, do you care about where people will spend eternity? Do I care about that? Because I'm telling you, the, the degree that we care is a reflection on, on our relationship with, even with God. What is... Uh, what is the best way or, or what is the greatest way that I could express my care to others in this area of telling them the, the story of Jesus? Maybe a, a better way to put it uh, would be something like, what, what, is the, what is the limit that I will go to? Where, where is the farthest thing? What is the limit that I will go to in, in order for other people to hear about Jesus? What, what is the limit of what I will do for those who don't know Christ? In other words, where do you draw the line? Well, um, I, 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 I pray for the lost and, and for those who share Jesus with them. I, I, I'm praying for them. That's great. That's good. We certainly need prayer. But is that the limit? Is that where you draw the line and that's as far as you'll go? Well, I, I'll, um, I'll give money um, to the ministries of this church and, and for people that are going out on, on, on mission and, and help it make it possible for them to go. Fantastic. Great. We need people to do that. But is that your limit? Is that where you draw the limit on your care and, and how the extent that your care is? For those who don't know Christ. Maybe it's, well, I, okay, you know, that sure feels like I'm under the bus. But I'll, I'll, go, I'll, go, I'll go somewhere in the United States. All right, I'll go somewhere in the United States, but I'm not getting on a plane and going overseas. Is that your limit? Is that, I'm, I'm just asking you, I'm asking you to ask yourself this person. Where is the limit? Where do I draw on how much I genuinely care? Because here, here's the point. Wherever you or I draw that line... That is the value that we place on an eternal soul. You understand what I'm saying? And listen, I'm saying that to me just as much as anybody else. 
Where do I draw that line? Because wherever I draw that line on, how, on exactly what I'll do, oh, I, I, could, I could never do that. But, but I'll, wherever I draw that line, that is the value I've just placed on an eternal soul. And you and I should care. Um, in Georgia, there's a lady that lives there by the name of Iris Blue. Some of you have probably heard her story before. Uh, Iris Blue, growing up, Iris was a, was a big girl. She was a big girl. <laughs> she, she was big bone. She was tall. She, she was big. And so, you know, she endured a lot of teasing and stuff as she was growing up. Uh, guys, you know, would laugh at her or, or, you know, whatever else. She had this, she tells us one story about this boy that she really liked and she wanted him to like her. And, and he came up to her one day and he, you know, he's kind of real shy. And he says, something I need to ask you. And she thought, oh, he's fixing to ask me out to the dance or something like that. And he asked her, can, can you carry me piggyback? And it just, it just crushed her spirit because she, she desperately wanted a boy, a boy to like her. And listen, there's, there's lots of stuff. I can't, I can't begin to go into it all. Um, lots of mistakes that she made along the way. She ran away from home when she was 13 years old. Almost immediately, she, she got into drugs and was addicted to drugs and uh, spent a number of years in jail and prison for robbery and all that kind of stuff. Um, but for a number of years in her life, Iris Blue was a prostitute. Because she thought the only way that, that she would ever uh, get a man to actually pay attention to her or, or, or to like her is if, if she slept with them. And so in order to, to have that feeling that someone cared and to support her drug habit, she sold her body to men. One day, uh, a young man came into the bar where Iris would generally hang out and wait to get picked up. And a young man came into the bar and uh, said to Iris, uh, Iris, uh, God loves you. And Iris, you know, again, this, this was over a period of time, took on some time, but she laughed at him. She kicked him out of the bar. She would run him off. She, she would, you know, all this kind of stuff. She would deride him, just, just make fun of him, everything else. And day after day after day, he kept coming back. Iris, God loves you. Iris, God has a plan for you. Iris, uh, Jesus died to save you from your sins. Iris, God can change you. And finally, one day, and this only Iris could put it this way, but as, as Iris put it, one day, as the, as the Holy Spirit brought conviction on her, and as, as God worked in her heart and her life, she said, outside of that bar, out, out in front of the front door of that bar, she said, I knelt down a tramp and I stood up a lady. Why? Because of the power of God? Absolutely. And because somebody cared enough to go and to keep going. See, we, we, we've got to care, folks. We've got to to care about where people will spend eternity. And we've got to rethink where our limits are and what, we, what the limit is that we do. Well, I'll, I'll do this, but I could never go there. I could never go where they have spiders or snakes. and uh, I could never go where, where, they, where they don't have toilets. You know, is that, is that your limit? Some of y'all heard me tell the story about Cindy trying to recruit a lady uh, to go on a mission trip to China a few years ago and her immediate response was, oh, no thanks, I like my toilet too much. Is, is, that, is that your limit? Is that the value you place on an eternal soul? It's a, it's a deep question that all of us need to ask ourselves. Look at how Jesus responds uh, in Matthew chapter 9 uh, to, to the lost. As he looks at it, he says, when, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. He cared. Watch this. Because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. A few years ago, I read Philip Keller's book entitled, A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. Great book, and I learned a lot about God in that book, a lot about God's love, but I also learned a lot about sheep. 
in that book. And one of the things that I learned about sheep is that sheep are absolutely, totally, completely, utterly helpless and hopeless without a shepherd. They have zero chance of existence if there's not a shepherd there to provide for them, to protect them, to prevent them from wandering off into whatever they're going to wander off into. And Matthew writes, that's how Jesus sees people without a relationship with him. They're like sheep without a shepherd. They have no chance. They have no hope. They have nothing. He cared. Shouldn't we care if we've been adopted into his family? Look, you know know this one, John chapter 3, verse 16. Will you say it with me out loud, please? For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So great a love, so great compassion, so great of care that he would be willing to send his son to redeem the world. Shouldn't we care enough to get up off our western toilet and go wherever God would send us to go? All right, one more. In John 15, 9, I'm struck by this passage. Jesus says, just as the Father has loved me, I've loved you. Isn't that an amazing statement? Jesus says, I'm part of the Godhead, and I'm telling you, as God loves me, I love you that exact same much. It's compassion. It's care. You and I have to care about where people will spend eternity. So, where do you draw the limit? Where do you say, yeah, that, yeah that's a little much? And I'm telling you, these questions I ask myself also. I can't, I won't, uh, we are commanded, no ifs, ands, or buts, to go. And we ought to care enough to go. So let me give you one more reason. We go because we can. We can go. We can go. Now I know, depending, and I'll talk more about that, but I know depending on each particular place we go, whether it's across the street or across the world, I know that sometimes a certain person might have a physical limitation for some period of time, or depending on the, the, uh, the, the, the physical demands that the trip is going to be, or the, the outreach, or the reach out, or whatever it's going to be. There might, and so all of that has to, people have to pray through that and find out where, where can I engage and what, what can I do, maybe I can go on the trip, all that kind of stuff, I understand. But we can go. Look at uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 48. This is Jesus speaking. He says, when someone has been given much, much will be required in return. Let me just read that part again. When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. Uh, Sometimes, I, I really believe that sometimes I run people off from Cross Culture Church. Well, I, I know I have. I know I've run people off from Cross Culture Church because uh, it's just, I, I just tend to say, here's what God says in his word. Uh, I can't change it. I can't edit it. I, here's what God says in his word. And, and so I, I know, you know, people sometimes get mad at me or, or whatever. I just, that's just all I know to give you, uh, not my personal advice or whatever, but, to, but here's what God's word says. And so sometimes I feel bad about the fact she's ran somebody else off. <laughs> but, but then I read a verse like this, and I'm kind of encouraged. I think, well, I'm in pretty good company here. <laughs> uh, listen, I'm not, I'm not in any way trying to compare myself to Jesus. I, I'm just saying uh, Jesus doesn't, he doesn't sugarcoat it. He doesn't mince words. He doesn't try and talk us into it. He just says, listen, there's an accounting coming of what you've been given. 
If you're my child, if, I, if, if you've been adopted in my family, redeemed by my blood, you better understand, however much you've been given, spiritually and materially, you will give an account someday for what you've done with it. That's just it. That's just, I mean, he just, he just says it. And, and, and that's what I wanted the people of Haiti to understand. Because listen, right? Okay, everybody that hears this message, everybody sitting in here, everybody, everybody can go uh, across the the cubicle or across the, the workroom floor or uh, across the, you know, the break room table or every one of us can go, you know, to another student if we're in school or uh, we, can, we, can all, we can all do that, right? Everybody can go to a neighbor. There, there's no question. We can all do that. And, and there will be an accounting of that without question. What, what have we done with what we've been given? And if somebody says, well, I know, but you know, I, 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 yeah, I'm just, that's just really not, I'm not really good at that. I just don't know if I'd, I, I'd know what to say. Really? You're a child of God. If you're a child of God, you're going to stand there and tell me you really wouldn't know what to say? You wouldn't know how to say who Jesus is and what Jesus did for you? If that is the case, ladies and gentlemen, I, again, yeah, pulling you out from under the bus, but if that's the case, ladies and gentlemen, the first place you need to go is to your knees and ask Christ to come into your life. If you can't, if you don't even know what Christ did and you can't relay that message... That, that just, that just, that won't sell in Peoria, ladies and gentlemen, or anywhere else. It sure won't sell in the throne room of God. Well, God, I just didn't know if I, I'd know what to say. That, that dog won't hunt, ladies and gentlemen. That, that fish won't swim. That, that bread won't toast. It, it, it just won't. We, 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 we can go. We can go. And listen, go ahead and say this. I know that we all, perhaps, at times, struggle Financially, I know that 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 sometimes we could say I, I just I'm living paycheck to paycheck. I don't you know I don't know how I could ever think about going to do this or being a part of that or I don't know how I could give to this or that. I I, I know that we we probably most of us in this room uh, or listening to this message probably face that at some time or another. I, I just I, I just don't know how I could do it. You and I, folks are wealthier than 99% of the world. Listen, I've made that statement before, and when I was putting this message together, when I was actually you know, writing it out this, this, this week, um, when I got back from Haiti and trying to put it into, so that y'all would get, understand what I was saying, um, I thought, well, I'm, I'm a, I've always said that. I'm going to look that up because I'm pretty sure it's true. <laughs> and and here's what I, here's what I found. Uh, according to Poke London, I got this off of the nextweb.com. According to Poke London, a family of five living just under the, just above the poverty line in the U.S., just above the poverty line in the U.S. is actually in the 1% compared to the rest of the world. Now, I, I, I'm not saying that, you know, by American standards that, that any of us in here are necessarily filthy rich. I haven't won the publisher's clearinghouse. I haven't, you know... My lottery ticket numbers haven't... No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Have, I, I, okay, so I, I know by American standards, we're not wealthy. But ladies and gentlemen, materially wise, compared to 99% of the rest of the world, we have much. You have much. I have much. And we can go. And we have to go. Because we can go. I... I, I these verses, every time I bring these verses up, it just is very sobering to me uh, just to remind myself. But I, I'm going to remind you to Ezekiel 
chapter 3, verse 18. If I warn the wicked, this is God speaking, if I warn the wicked saying, you're under the penalty of death, but you fail to deliver the warning, they will die in their sins. God's saying they're guilty, they're sinners, they, uh, they deserve hell uh, just like you did because they are sinners, they're separated from me because of their sin. They'll die in their sins. Watch this. And I'll hold you responsible for their deaths. Me? I, I didn't make them sin, but you didn't tell them they didn't have to. You didn't tell them they could be redeemed. You didn't tell them God had made a way. I didn't do what I should have done. That, that, that's, that's the implication here. Oh, let's look at another one. Ezekiel 33, 6. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, ladies and gentlemen, the sword is coming. The sword of judgment is coming on this world. If the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet and the people are not warned and a sword comes and takes a person from them, he is taken away in his iniquity. Same thing he said in chapter 3. But his blood I will require from the watchman's hand. Anybody want to guess who the watchman is? That's right. It's me. It's you. It's anybody listening that knows Christ as their Savior. One more, he's almost verbatim, same thing as in chapter 3. When I say to the wicked, a wicked man, you will surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity. He's guilty. He, he deserves what he gets. But, there it is again, his blood I will require at your hands. I'll say it again. I promise you, I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus. I'm trying to get us on the bus. I'm trying to get us to the place where every one of us would say, I, I, I've got to go. I've got to open my mouth and begin to speak. And I've got to, I didn't say this earlier, but, and I didn't, I didn't go to Acts 1.8, which I should have in the whole Matthew text. Matthew 1.8, Jesus said, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. That's, that's the description of where we, we are to go. At Cross Culture, we would say it this way. We go here, there, and everywhere. I've, I've got to go because I can go. Now, I've got to figure out what I can do or, or how many people I can talk to here or there or what my limits are in the workplace or uh, how, how, what, what sort of financial uh, opportunities I will have and vacation. How do I use that to, to go in different places? But, but we can go. We can go. My mom is uh, 84 now. She's 84 years old. She lives in Atlanta. And uh, a few years ago, when she was 78 years old, she told me that she wanted to go with me on a mission uh, trip, some work we were doing in Ecuador. And uh, she told all of her church friends down there and, and, and her friends and even some of her family members, she, when she told them she was going to Ecuador, do you know what they told her? Well, why are you going? Why are you going? Why are you doing that? You're old. They probably didn't say it right like that. But, but that, that, that's what they said. They said, you're not as young as you used to be. You might get sick. You're not as healthy as you used to be. You might get hurt. Why would you go? And I, I'm, it's a long story, but I'm paraphrasing a little bit. But, but my mom said to them, I'm going because I can. I, it's true, I'm not as young as I used to be, but I'm still here. I'm not as healthy as I used to be, but I, but I can still walk. I can still move. I can go. We can go. Okay. Um, I know it's, it sounds like I'm harping, I'm coming down hard, and I am a little, um, because this, this is really important, and I really think this is important for the future of this church. We have to decide, all of us have to decide that we're going to go because we're commanded, first and foremost, because we care, we give a rip about where people will spend eternity, and because we can to some extent, to some way, and some, uh, with, by the power of God, I can go. I can, I can do this. I can be a, 
part of this. Now, uh, normally at the end of services each, each week, we kind of do a, 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 an altar response time and we play a song. And we're, we're not going to do that today. Uh, I want to close with a video that I want you to watch that Rick put together about the Haiti trip. Uh, it's a few minutes long, and then I'll come back and say a few things um, afterward. But as you watch the video, please give some thought to, the, to these ideas, to the commandment to go, to the degree to which you care to go, and the fact that you can go. Compare with what you have materially, what you have spiritually, and the power of God where you can go. Um, watch this. I hope this helps tell you a little bit about the story. We came to minister in the name of Jesus. Amen. Why do we go? We go because we're commanded. Make disciples. Give me your eyes for just one second. Give me your eyes so I can see everything that I keep missing. Give me your love for humanity. It's hard to see the progress made over the three years since the first cross-culture team came to build shelters after the big earthquake. The streets are a little cleaner and the air a little fresher, but Haiti is still the poorest country in the world. Eighty percent of these people live on less than two dollars a day. There's not a lot a mission team can do about that, but that's not why we go. We go to fulfill the Great Commission, and we go because we care about seeing the people of Haiti changed through the power of Christ. One life one learner, and one leader at a time. We're here to encourage the church and to display the love of Christ through action. They are encouraged. They learn to give. They learn to sacrifice because they see people from the U.S. sacrificing their time, their free time, and their money to come here and help them. One of the ways we served the church was by replacing their pitted and dirty, worn-out floor with a new concrete surface. In Haiti, it's a bit more complicated than calling up the guys with the big cement mixer. It's a primitive process of sifting sand, toting bags, hauling water, blending, and then letting one of the Haitians create a floor that's smooth as glass. It's hard work with little pay, but he has to feed his family. You just can't comprehend how difficult life is in Haiti especially in the hundreds of tiny villages like where we ministered, shared, and worshipped with the New Alliance Star Christian Church in the village of Birkin. Children have it the toughest in Haiti. They grow up quickly by necessity. We taught the kids from the book of Daniel how we must have faith in the one true God, our Lord, who keeps his promises and is always with us and blesses those who obey. Daniel answered, God's angel shut the mouths of the lions. They haven't hurt me at all because I was found innocent in his sight. Each lesson wrapped up with a quick Q&A. Snacks for those who listened and knew the answers. And craft time. Hand puppets, beads, and neat little things to help them remember the story. And, of course, playtime. And on this day, we decided to play an easy game of hide-and-go-seek. Only someone forgot to tell us that in Creole, that means this game's not over until you tag me. And good luck with that. And as exhausting as it may seem, it's a fun way to share God's love and His Word and encourage others to share. We're teaching the kids and the adults as well how to share their faith, how to tell others to come to church, invite them to church. Our presence here not only encourages, but it comforts people to know that they are not forgotten and that they are in our prayers. 
the more Americans that they see coming down here, they feel like there's more compassion and more people praying for them, and they have more prayer partners and more people that love them through Jesus. Jesus expects those of us with plenty to share with those in need, and Haiti's needs include underwear. Thanks to the generosity of Cross Culture Church, we were able to bless many of the villagers with this most basic of items. And then there's the issue of hunger. Food drives help, but it's hard to put a dent in the country's battle with malnutrition. Almost 70% of Haitians go without a meal some days. This guy right here is about two years old, and he still looks like he's six months. Um, That's how bad these guys need food. Children have a difficult time having a childhood because they're out carrying water at four years old, walking a mile. With, two, with a gallon jug or two gallon jugs filling up with water. When you see the hard life Haitians lead firsthand, with each hug and every smile from a child, you begin to realize that what matters in life is loving people. And that starts with loving God. And when you love God, you care, you share, and you follow His commands. Now, someone might ask, why do we have to follow a command? Why can't I just... Love Jesus and go to church. The people of Israel were going to church. They had strayed off. They were doing what they wanted to do. And God said, I I don't want it. I don't want your worship. I want your obedience. I want you to do what I ask you to do. Think about us here tonight. We have had worship. Fantastic. Your singing is beautiful. We have lifted our hands. We have danced. We have sung the rafters off. And then, but it means nothing if we do not go out of here and obey God. It means nothing to sing, it means nothing to dance or lift your hands or come in here. It means nothing if we do not go out there and obey. To see the people of Haiti worship God, to hear their voices unite and their hands lifted high to proclaim Jesus as their center was truly moving. The intensity of their jubilation matched only by the hot tropical temperatures was an unexpected blessing. Yet for all the passion manifested in this worship experience, it's insignificant when compared with God's command to obedience. He wants our obedience in every part of our lives, from showing love and compassion to others to going. Jesus said... Go, therefore, and make disciples. Whether it's Haiti, Hillsborough, or the house next door, it's our Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And we all must answer the call to spread the gospel. The reasons we go are pretty simple. I've made them as simple as I could this morning. We go because we are commanded. We go because we should care. And we go because we can. 
where we go is directed by God. Neither you nor I is able to define or make an option of where we go. He doesn't give us that. He tells us to go here, there, and everywhere. And so we go. Well, that lays it out pretty simple, doesn't it? We go because we are commanded, because we care, and because we can. As Pastor Clay explained, God has an expectation that we will go here, there, and everywhere sharing the message of Jesus. Going is not an option, and as we've heard, we will be held accountable for whether we have gone everywhere sharing the good news of Jesus. But as Pastor Clay also explained, we ought to want to go. We should share where people will spend eternity. Jesus loved the people of the world enough to die for them. Can't we love them enough to go to them? We certainly know that we can. The only question is, will we? We're glad you spent some time with us for this week's Crosswalk. Each week, Pastor Clay opens the Bible and brings out its exciting and practical truths to apply to our everyday lives. Cross Culture Church is a new church in North Raleigh. But instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. We meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. And we welcome anyone and everyone who is looking for a place to learn about God's plan for their life. At Cross Culture Church, we experience the liberating, satisfying, life-changing power of the cross. And it's our desire to bring that power to a culture in need of freedom, hope, and joy. We hope you'll come join us on a Sunday morning. We'll save a seat for you. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to lead you to the cross. I want to lead you to the cross. I want to lead you to the cross. Cross Culture Church. Taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.